All right. Ready to go on? Ready. Okay. Illinois' Cook County is the second most populous county in the country. As you can imagine, there are many institutions that work behind the scenes to keep life moving forward. One of these important Cook County institutions is the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Their mission is important to over 5 million people living in and around the city. Protect the quality of the water supply source, Lake Michigan. Protect businesses and homes from flood damages and manage water as a vital resource for all of Chicago. We're pleased that we had a chance to talk with one of the nine members on MWRD's Board of Commissioners. PRN's Robert Hirschfeld sat down to talk with Kimberly Neely Dubouclé. A special thanks to her for taking the time to talk with us. I'm your host, Ryan Grasso. This is Stories from the Floodplain. Let's begin. All right, I am here with Commissioner Kimberly Neely Dubouclé. She's a commissioner of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, which from here on out, I will refer to as MWRD. Commissioner Dubouclet, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I want to ask you about your background and how it is that you, uh, how and why you became an MWRD commissioner. But first, I think we should give listeners a sense of what an MWRD commissioner is, and for that matter, what MWRD is and what it does. Um, you know, I think like a lot of uh, water and water infrastructure and infrastructure, municipal infrastructure generally, um, sometimes it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but MWRD is extremely important in how the city of Chicago and the greater surrounding Chicago region functions. Um, describe if you could just what it is that MWRD does and whom it serves. Sure. So the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, henceforth known as MWRD, we service the entire county of Cook, which happens to be the second largest county in the country behind Los Angeles County with over 5 million residents. And what we do is we manage wastewater, we manage stormwater, and we're protectors of the lakefront. So what that means in everyday practicality is anything that goes down the sewer, anything that goes down the drain in your home, anything that goes down your sink, your garbage disposal, the sewer, anything that's, that's, that's wasteful out in the street goes into the drain. We collect wastewater, we process it, and we ensure that it doesn't make its way back into our freshwater supply, which happens to be Lake Michigan. So we process stormwater, we process um, wastewater, and we are protectors of the lakefront. Prior to MWRD being created, the wastewater would flow directly into the river and into, into the lake, um, which as you can imagine is bad because that's our fresh drinking water supply. And one other quick stat that I like to throw out is that we sit on the Great Lakes, uh, Lake Michigan specifically, and the Great Lakes supply 70% of the United States freshwater supply, 70%. So we need to protect it. That's basically what we do. We build huge reservoirs and tunnels to, to collect excess rainwater. So when we have these storms, the rainwater flows into our tunnels and into our reservoirs and not into your basement. You are a commissioner. You're on, you sit on the board of commissioners. What does that mean? What is your role as a commissioner? So we, we, um, we create policy and procedures to make sure that our, process, our the wastewater processes and our stormwater processes 
um, are you know within the guidelines, and we set a policy for the organization. And it's an elected position, correct? It's an elected position, so we are elected to six-year terms. There are nine commissioners, and three commissioners are up every two years. So. I just had a primary election this past March, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I'll be up for a re-election again in November for the general. And then in two years, which would be 2022, three additional commissioners will be up for re-election. So, you know, water is something that, that probably many Americans, though certainly not all, often take for granted. There's often an expectation that drinkable water just comes out of the tap and that wastewater goes down the drain and it's taken away somewhere and it's handled and, and taken care of. That's true at least until there is some kind of disruption or an emergency. But um, you know, sanitation and sewage is a matter of life and death. That's one of the reasons MWRD got started, like you were saying, um, putting uh, sewage and waste into the drinking water source <laughs> is a serious health problem. Right. MWRD for as important as it is, you know, it probably flies under many people's radar um, is that something that needs to change? How does that change, both in terms of um, people's relationship to, walk to, the, to the precious resource of water generally, but, but also to MWRD more specifically? So um, you're absolutely right. We are pretty much under the radar. Most people don't know what we do. You know, here in America, we turn on the water and we, we expect clean, fresh water to come out. We flushed our toilet and we expect the water to go away. We don't think about it. But as you just stated, we provide such a val valuable um, service to um, our constituents. And part of what we do as commissioners and specifically what I try and do is be more of a face for MWRD, not just for in terms of the services that we provide, but more importantly, as an, as an environmental advocate. Um, particularly for people of color, um, because I feel that there aren't enough people like me speaking out on behalf of the environment. And because people of color, and I'm generalizing, typically don't think about the environment because they're under other pressures, whether it's, you know, uh, can they get their kids safely to the park? Um, is the public transportation system safe to ride on? Are my schools adequately funded? So they don't often have the capacity to think about recycling or environmental issues. So I feel like if someone that looks like them comes into their neighborhoods or into their environments to talk about these issues and just how important they are and how easy it can be for someone to think about the environment, I'm hoping to have a much larger impact on my community as well as the community at large. You were born and raised in Chicago, correct? Yes, I was. So you you're, you grew up on the South Side, I, I think, with your mm -hmm. bio said. Um, what were your early connections to and experiences with water as a Chicagoan? Uh, what were your early experiences and connections to Lake Michigan, to yeah. the Chicago River? Wow. So I did grow up on the South Side. I went to um, a public school up until grade school and then I transferred to, to the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools which is in Hyde Park right on the lake and so my friends and I particularly when I was in high school would go swimming off the point a lot you know what the point is on 55th Street mm -hmm. you familiar okay <laughs> and um, 
I would tell some of my other friends that I had been swimming or that I was swimming off the point, and they would literally laugh at me and say, oh, your skin is going to fall off. You're swimming in Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan is awful. It's disgusting. And I remember thinking, but this is where we get our drinking water from. It, it couldn't or shouldn't be that bad. Um, so it just kind of planted a seed for me to think about water and water use and our, and our precious resource, Lake Michigan. So that was one seed that was planted for me. And then secondly, um, I grew up in a house on the far, far south side of Chicago, the southeast side, that flooded nearly every time it rained. And I remember my family having to shovel sludge out of the basement and putting our belongings on pallets uh, so, so they wouldn't get ruined. And it was just this general sense of helplessness because we didn't know what to do or who to call or how to fix it. You know, they tried uh, remedies and plumbers would come out, but nothing ever changed. And interestingly, the house that I grew up in, um, I have another relative that lives in it now and the house still floods. <laughs> so, you know, I've always had this, um, Thing, this interest in my mind about flooding and how it can ruin people's belongings and their lives and just kind of getting accustomed to the stench of sewer water in your home and thinking that's just a normal way of life because you think if my house floods, everybody's house must flood. Um, so between you know the home I grew up in and the many dives I took off of the point, um, I've always had an interest in water, water safety, um, the source of our drinking water and flooding. And then just to continue, um, that those, um, those seeds were able to really blossom when I became a state representative and I caucused with and partnered with the Environmental Caucus, so much so that I got 100% voting rating with the Illinois Environmental Council. I became one of their lead advocates on the House floor. And as one of my colleagues told me, um, she would look to me to help convince other legislators. So um, that was an awesome opportunity. You had an interesting district, I think. I don't know if they've redrawn it since since you were no, yeah, redrawn district mm -hmm. where it, it, it you know kind of very long stretched from the southeast side, yeah. south yeah. side, runs up to kind of the museum district up to Streeterville, I think. Yeah, um, division, I think. Yeah. Um, how was that um, as a representative of such a kind of diverse area of the city? Um, did you, what did you learn? How did you feel about that? So I think it's the best district in the state, first of all. <laughs> and it is very diverse. And I would say it's probably one of the most diverse districts because I had part of the Gold Coast. I had all the museum campus and I went all far south to South Shore. So I went basically from an all white neighborhood to an all black neighborhood. And, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was predominantly African-American and I went to school in an environment that was predominantly white. So I was pretty much used to that. Um, so it really gave me an opportunity to, um, and, I, and I, to work with, you know, everyone in the district and relate to everyone in the district and try and bring resources to the district um, on both ends. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I think it's, as I said earlier, one of the best districts in the state. Um, it was amazing to have the museums in your district, but then go a few blocks south and you're in South Shore and you're trying to help 
bring resources to a, a community that's not as well resourced. So I would say it was, it was, an, it was a great experience. So then you decided, uh, like we said, it's, a, it's a, an elected position. So you decided to run for MWRD. Why? Um, so in between my state rep tenure and then my water rep tenure, I worked for the Chicago Park District as the legislative and community affairs director. And um, once again, you know, I, I knew how state government worked and how to bring resources to a district, but working for city government and, and having the opportunity to work with all 50 aldermen in all 50 wards, work with community groups across the city. Um, I was in charge of all the park cleanups. I was in charge of all the volunteers. I was in charge of government relations. Uh, I, I worked with the environmental people at the park district to think about green space and how to build parks to make them more attractive to our, to our kids and to um, really um, calculate the amount of green space needed per person in a city. Um, so that just added to my knowledge. And I actually, I love my job. I think it, besides being a state rep, it was probably one of the best jobs I've had. Actually, all my jobs are great because I love my job as a water rec commissioner too. So I can't even rank the three. Um, but I was, I was happily at my job as a park, at the park district. Um, and then the election happened in, what was that, November of 2018, and Trump was elected. And I was horrified as I saw that he was systematically rolling back environmental protections that had been in place for decades, decades, under Republican and Democratic presidents. Um, and I saw what the Republicans were just trying to do up and down this ticket and uh, across the nation. And I was just mortified and thought, you know, what can I do? Where can I jump in to make a difference? Because um, I just think that we need people, and I know this isn't a political show, but, but whatever your political views are, we need people in all different levels of government, whether it's city council, local student government, um, uh, local school councils, local library councils, county government, water reclamation commissioners. We need people who are environment, who represent the environment at all levels of government. And so I saw an opening and an opportunity at the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District and thought that I would throw my hat in the ring and run for this, for this position to try and protect the environmental um, laws and ordinances that have been in place that are, that have, that are being repealed. Yeah, we're a 501c3, so we can't endorse, but we, we don't <laughs> hesitate to criticize the administration for... Okay. <laughs> how they've trashed our environmental laws over the last three, three and a half years. Awful. Um, <laughs> you- I'm sorry, November 2016, I said yeah. <laughs> Trump was elected. The country right now is going through something of a reckoning about racial justice in the mm -hmm. wake of the murder of George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor and, and numerous other instances of police brutality, police killings. Um, and so there are, there have been demonstrations and protests for the last few weeks and months. There are deep connections between racial injustices, both past and present, and the problems that we kind of typically put in the category of environmental issues. And I'm thinking here, you know, access to clean water and health problems caused by exposure to pollution, among others. The weight of environmental harm 
falls more heavily on people of color in this country and on under-resourced communities. Um, describe how environmental racism impacts Chicago and what MWRD can do to lead on those issues. Um, so, you know, having lived in and spent most of my life growing up in a, in a community that was primarily African-American, I can say firsthand that um, the Chicago South and West Side, which is where the, the, the most of the minorities live, um, have had to shoulder the greatest exposure to tox toxic air and other industry-related health hazards. Um, you know, waste and um, factories um, and, and other pollutants are often placed in those neighborhoods in disadvantaged neighborhoods because they don't—they typically don't have the voice to speak up for themselves. Um, I think MWID should provide solutions to low-income in communities that reduce environmental burdens. Um, so all communities, including communities of color, should be able to enjoy the benefits of clean air and open space. Um, so I believe as a commissioner that I have the responsibility to serve all of my constituents, not just my higher income constituents. As I say, you know, water, the issue of water isn't black or isn't white, it isn't Republican, it isn't Democratic, it's something that we all need. Um, my office is in regular contact with communities to ensure that they are protected and efforts are taken um, to, uh, to protect them and, and their communities. I think we should find viable policies to help reduce flooding and pollution and remove burdens from people's homes and communities. I've noticed in my time working on water issues in Illinois, that there has been a, a distinct change in the direction, and I'd say the values within MWRD. Um, and I, I think, you know, for my money, it changed for the better. Good. Um, certainly the makeup of the board is different than it used to be. I, I think that women comprise a majority of the board right now. Mm -hmm. um, that includes several women of color. Why is it important to have black women serving on the MWRD Board of Commissioners and leading in this field? Um, well, MWRD, as, as in any elected body, should have members that reflect the community that it serves. Um, I'm very proud to have helped elect the first African-American president of the MWRD Board, Carrie Steele. Um, and she's been, a, she's been a prominent official um, at MWRD as an elected official and serves as a strong advocate for girls, women, and social justice, social justice throughout the country. Um, but this is a particular issue that I'm very passionate about. And I take every effort to mentor and support all women, especially women of color, to stand up for what they believe in and to support them in their efforts for um, what they want to go into politics or community service or, or whatever their ambitions are. Um, in my role as a commissioner, I often speak to women's group about my work and the importance of having more young women consider careers in science, technology, engineering, and math, which is the most important work that we do with the waterway. So um, as a woman of color, encouraging other women of color to think about um, careers in STEM, I think is, is essential to making sure that um, the STEM industry is more represented by people of color in the future. What do you think you personally, on account of your life experiences and, and your own personal beliefs and values, what do you bring to your role? 
wow, what do I bring? Uh, I have such, you know, when I talk to people about my background, it's, there's no path that would have ever, that anyone would have ever thought would have brought me to this point. So I have an MBA from the University of Chicago, and I thought I was going to be in business working my way up the corporate ladder for most of my career. So I worked for AT&T for many years, and then I went to work for um, the University of Chicago, actually, first um, in their um, alumni and fundraising office, and then as a career counselor. And I also currently teach at Roosevelt University. I'm an adjunct professor at Roosevelt teaching um, career services. And so what I think I bring personally is my diverse background of experience, um, both professionally and personally, um, you know, as a black woman, as a black person also, um, I am subjected to some kind of, as my daughter calls them, what does she call them? Um, microaggressions on a daily basis because of, the, because of the color of my skin. And I believe that all black people are. Um, but we tend to um, brush it off, ignore it, laugh it off, because if we were to respond to the daily, um, the daily slaps in the face of racism that we receive, we would just be angry all the time. And I think that's part of why we're seeing these uprisings now, because people are so angry and are so fed up with it. Um, so I think I bring all of that to the table. I, I bring my knowledge, I bring my background, I bring my skills, I bring my community involvement, um, I bring my education, I bring my family, I have two kids. Um, I think that makes me quite unique in this space. I wanna ask about some of the issues that MWRD has sure. to deal with and works on. Climate change is, I think, likely to be one of the defining issues of our lifetimes and the next generation and the generation after that. What are the pressures that you see as a commissioner at MWRD? What are the pressures climate change is already putting on our systems? And, and what does the future likely hold? Um, well, as you can imagine, I'm gonna start with this past month of May. May of 2020, I think, was saw the greatest amount of rainfall on record. And so when these tunnels were built and these reservoirs, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there's no way that anyone could have predicted um, climate change moving as rapidly as it is. Um, so um, we're having a 100-year storm event that goes from about five and a half inches of precipitation in the 60s to about eight and a half inches of precipitations today, according to a report released by the Illinois State Water Survey. Um, so we have to adjust because climate change is happening so much more rapidly um, in terms of our infrastructure. And it's only gonna get worse. So science tells us that by 2100, total precipitation may increase by up to 19% from existing levels and that heavy precipitation events are expected to be more intense and frequent. Um, it's unclear what we can expect for Lake Michigan. The majority of the models predict declining water levels in Lake Michigan, although some models show that lake levels may rise. So I think that we need to adjust. Um, we need to continue to try and get funding to increase our building of TARP, to, to finish TARP. And um, 
uh, do more green infrastructure projects, and most importantly, edu educate the public on what they can do to help mitigate some of the issues that we're facing. Because we, as citizens, have a large part in helping to solve some of these problems. You mentioned TARP, and mm -hmm. for anybody who may not be familiar with that, it stands for Tunnel and Reservoir Project Plan, Tunnel and Reservoir Plan. Um, sometimes it's called Deep Tunnel. Right. Um, it is a multi-billion dollar civil engineering water infrastructure project, building and expanding tunnels under the city and um, taking wastewater through those expanded tunnels to massive reservoirs um, at Thornton and McCook, um, large reservoirs. And so th this has been going on for decades. Um, it's not anticipated to be completed, I think, for another decade or so. Um, is TARP enough to solve the flooding problem or what else needs to be done? Um, so yeah, I think we need to go beyond TARP. Um, I go back to um, citizen involvement, um, widespread implementation of green infrastructure, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, we should also do more with to partner with public agencies and nonprofit and community organizations um, to adopt large-scale public education campaigns about water conservation and stormwater strategies. So it's a multifaceted approach. It's completing TARP, obviously. Um, it's increasing our use of green infrastructure and also um, educating the public on what they can do. So for instance, during a large rainstorm, People shouldn't use their washing machine. They shouldn't um, take long showers. They should do more to conserve their water bec because as the rain comes down and goes into the drain, into our drains, and into the tunnel and sewer systems, if you are adding additional water into the system via washing machine, dishwasher, shower, that just increases the amount of water that we're trying to, to collect and process. So little things like that, if we all did those little small things could make a difference. So it's, um, it's a public service um, effort that we're doing. Also using rain barrels, capturing rain, rain water in a rain barrel instead of using um, fresh water to, for instance, clean your sidewalk or water your grass. I'm sure these are things you all know about though. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure that everybody does know, and I, I, you know, I think it's good to 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 check the boxes and, and you know talk about the multifaceted approach. Because um, one, you know, one thing we hear often is like, well, what can I do? Right. And and the average citizen isn't working on the tunnel, <laughs> but they can, um, you know, they can get involved with their neighborhood community group work on you know some local green infrastructure projects there are some things that can be done about that certainly rain barrels you know there, there are things that, that individuals or, or families or communities can do um it seems like there is a race and class component to who is hit hardest by flooding and basement flooding in chicago um how is that being addressed we are very aware of that and we're actually doing a study to see, to understand just how communities of color are affected more than other communities. And what we're doing specifically is to try and um, 
get on top of some of these communities that have been hit hardest because as you can imagine if i live in a community that is um, constantly being um, hit with flooding issues i as a corporation am less likely to invest or do any economic development in that community so you know these flooding issues you know serve serve as a as an impediment oftentimes for businesses to um, come and for even for residents because who wants to buy a home in a community that has rampant flooding so we're working with many communities one particularly in the southland um, on projects to specifically bring economic development to those communities and help mitigate some of the flooding in some of those communities um, to try and address some of the inequities with flooding um, in those areas that are hit hardest so the current epa under the trump administration you know we're seeing all kinds of rollbacks of environmental rules and regulations we're also seeing non-enforcement michael hawthorne of the tribune had a great article a couple weeks ago uh, about how enforcement is down around the great lakes what a surprise <laughs> yes how do we respond how you mentioned this earlier that this is one reason you got involved Right. How can we respond and better protect our most precious resources when the feds are failing us? Right. So, well, that's why we have our local and, and, and um, state government to step in and protect our environment where the federal government isn't doing their job. We have the Illinois EPA, uh, you have the MWRD, we have organizations like you, Friends of the Rivers and other organizations that, you know, help us to put policies in, in place and keep us accountable for environmental issues. What are you most proud of in your time at MWRD? I think that one of the things I've worked the hardest on is, is the um, watershed maintenance or, ordinance, watershed management ordinance, ordinance. And describe that. Um, well, it is an ordinance that allows for um, uh, developers who may not have the capacity to um, to process wastewater on site to lease to to make partnerships with other organizations that do have the capacity so that they can have a partnership where they can help process it they can outsource it to somebody else to outsource it on another, on another location and i guess the, the way i the way that we describe it is storm credit trading so how do you engage local communities in envisioning planning and implementing ideas and programs. Uh, I'm thinking here of like the Space to Grow program or, or the Rain Barrel program. Yeah. How does that in community engagement work? Um, so that's also something I'm very proud of. And one of the, my favorite things to do in this job and that I did both as a representative and also with the Park District. Um, I'm always interested in engaging with the community and my staff on behalf of MWRD. Um, we're in constant contact with local municipal leaders around the county, um, talking about development and projects that we can fund and programs. Um, and, and as we said earlier, you know, I think how we started this conversation, people don't really know what MWRD, what MWRD does. Um, so it's really incumbent upon us to let the public know uh, what we do, just how um, important we are and, and I feel like I'm repeating myself, you know, what we as individuals can do to really make an impact on the environment. And that's a huge part of, I think, our responsibility. Yeah, and, and we, 
talked earlier about how I, I think sometimes people get involved when a, when a problem happens. Right. And it's basement flooding or, you know, what happened in Flint suddenly mm -hmm. lead and drinking water was on a lot of people's minds, but sometimes it really takes a serious problem. Are there avenues for people to engage with water in positive ways, not just as a result of a flood or a problem, but you know, how do we get in? To, how do we get people involved um, uh, in, in really just positive, constructive ways around water uh, in Chicago? Um, well, we can talk about water conservation. Um, we can educate people because most people don't know um, just the value of fresh water. I mean. Most people don't understand that in a lot of countries and probably in many rural areas in America, they don't, they just can't turn on their faucet and clean water comes out. And as you mentioned earlier, Flint, Michigan, um, it's just such an amazing resource that we're sitting on that most people don't understand or appreciate. I think all that is part of our education process. Um, community gardens, getting people involved with, with gardening and, 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 um, taking care of their land. Um, I mean, there's just, just rain barrels, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so all kinds of community engagement, I think, would be helpful. Um, and we're always open for ideas, if you, are, if you have any ideas, because I think certainly more can be done. Commissioner Dubuclay, thank you so much for joining us for your time. I know you're busy. <laughs> you, you've got a lot on your plate and you've got big responsibilities and we thank you for, you know, taking care of those. And um, we thank you for being a proud environmental champion. You know, that's really important. It is. And I'm still learning. I still have lots to learn. So, you know, this is a process. Yeah, well, it's, 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 I will just speak for me personally. It's, uh, it's great to see you in a position of leadership working on these issues. Uh, I really want to thank you again. Is there anywhere that you would like to send listeners for more information? Sure. So our, our, my uh, website is mwrd.org at the district, and there's tons of resources, articles, information on water conservation, water barrels, Lake Michigan, what we do, all of that. And then my personal website, if interested, is Kim, K-I-M, the number four, water.com. So both of those resources. And I'm on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So follow me. Um, we, have, we, we send out great information, great articles on the environment. So I appreciate the interest. And you're a good follow on Twitter, I will say. I will confirm. Good. <laughs> uh, we will be sure to put all those, make all those links available for people. Um, on the website and, and on the podcast page. Commissioner Dubuclay, thank you again. I, I really do appreciate uh, your time today uh, and everything you're doing in your role. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Again, we'd like to extend a special thanks to Commissioner Dubuclay. You can visit mwrd.org and kimforwater.com to learn more. And thanks to Robert Hirschfeld for conducting the interview. You can become a member to support our work and this podcast at prairierivers.org. As usual, I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Commissioner Dubuclay. See you next time. So I believe as a commissioner that I have the responsibility to serve all of my constituents, not just 
my higher income constituents, as I say, you know, the issue of water isn't black or isn't white, it isn't Republican, it isn't Democratic, it's something that we all need. 